Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. It's the New Books and Literature Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Woodivine, and my guest today is Brian Ridge. Brian is the author of the poetry collection Ox and the story collection Hunters and Gamblers. He has also created two chapbooks, Hey, It's America and 20, 22nd Century Man. Mr. Ridge has most recently published his novella-length work. I want to, I'm not sure if I should call it a novella. the New Books and Literature Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Woodivine, and my guest today is Brian Ridge. Brian is the author of the poetry collection Ox and the story collection Hunters and Gamblers. He has also created two chapbooks, Hey, It's America and 20, 22nd Century Man. Mr. Ridge has most recently published his novella-length work. I want to, I'm not sure if I should call it a novella or a novella-length work. Um, American Homes, which is what we're going to focus on today. And Professor Ridge teaches creative writing at the University of Louisville. Ryan Ridge, thanks for being on. Hey, Phil, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first thing I think that we should say about American Homes is that its structure isn't really narrative per se. It's, it's a series of topical entries on basements and doors and attics and all the, the pieces that make up a house. And as a whole, the entries kind of flesh out the concept of a home, not so much like the narrative of a space or anything like that. So for me, it kind of reads like a Lonely Planet travel guide or encyclopedia or something like that, um, more like a nonfiction. Uh, so the question that emerges from that for me is, how do you think about the structure of the book, uh, or if you like, and if you had to, um, how would you categorize it structurally as prose that's not a story or a piece of fiction like that? Oh, well, that, uh, that's a great question, Phil. I like that Lonely Travel Planet Guide. That's a, that's a nice description <laughs> of it. Uh, well, you know, it was, it was one of those things that um, – I guess you could read it as a collection of essays. You could mm. you could read it as um, maybe. Um, uh, well, I don't know. I, I would say it's uh, at the time. Uh, let, let me talk about maybe influences, and uh, that, yeah, that might be a, uh, the back back way of uh, getting around to maybe what it is. But uh, around the time I was writing, I was looking at a lot of uh, William Eggleston photographs. You, you familiar with Eggleston at all? I haven't heard of him. I'll look him up. Though. Yeah, he's a he's a southern photographer. He's kind of he was, they call him a, kind of the uh, godfather of color photography. And he's got okay. You probably once you've seen some of his photographs, you'd you'd recognize it. a lot of album covers. But uh, you know, he, he'd shoot things like a you know, say a ceiling, and and it would make it mm-hmm. say, hey, what the hell is that? You know, he's he's kind of a master of defamiliarization. You know, he'd just shoot these really right, really right. banal things. I mean, his his tagline was "I'm at war with the obvious," and uh, okay. and I think by that he meant, "Hey, I'm just going to present or represent the obvious in, in a kind of a different way." So, um, with the the structure of Holmes, you know, I, I, it started off as just a fake uh, kind of a guidebook. I, I'd been reading, okay. I'd been looking at those, uh, uh, you know, those uh, Eggleston photographs. I'd, I'd had uh, Ben Marcus close by with the uh, age of wire and string, but I, I didn't want to do like a new new mythologies or anything like that. I was just thinking, right. uh, you know, I might do uh, l- look at these objects and see what happens with it. And, uh, you know, it's in three parts. So the first part's kind of the fake guidebook. 
And I did that as long as I could before that ran out of steam. I noticed that, that it started at, at part three, and then it went to the rest of the three um, sections kind of followed from the third part. So I, seemed, I wasn't sure how that was arranged, if that was an intentional thing. Yeah, I wanted to be kind of like it, it, it dropped in already okay. already in progress. Uh, you know, because you said it's kind of encyclopedic. Um, yeah, just like the implied edge, so to speak. Uh, I, I did want to start with uh, with one, obviously. So we were going to, I don't know, uh, start two? No, I start three, maybe. And it's in three parts. Maybe it's counting down. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's uh, parts one and two are off scene. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I did get that feel of something that was off scene. I, um, I noticed several parts that, like, for example, you referenced um, the New Tiscal Association of analysis or something and then I looked that up that's a fictional thing so you're referencing an authority that's not actually real and then there's parts of the uh, first section that reference other parts of the section that don't actually exist as far as I can tell there's like one that's like see um, see the section on domestic relations or something like mm-hmm. that um, which isn't actually there so it seems kind of like the fragmentary evidence of a real of something that's real but we don't get the full picture of it. it's just sort of implied and I like that aspect of it but to get it all in I think it would be uh kind of insane i wanted to uh you know i wanted to kind of uh get the uh the obsessiveness of the uh the narrator across uh, it eventually the narrator just became me ryan ridge right, right, a, right. a fictional version of me what it is mm-hmm. uh, the first chapter i wrote if you call it a chapter was the the door section and mm-hmm. uh i had jim jim morrison was the narrator and I thought okay. I thought that was a little too heavy-handed and obvious. So I eventually made it me, but it's not really me. This this character is a little uh, a little wild, a little okay. a little a little obsessive, you know, in terms of cataloging yeah. this stuff. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned cataloging. Uh, there's a line in the porch entries where the writer there's a writer called Rich, mm-hmm. quote unquote Rich, and he's sitting on a porch and he's trying to think of a name for the porch section. And we learn the porch doesn't actually belong to him; it belongs to somebody named Clarence. And Clarence, one of the few characters in, in the actual um, work is this Clarence. And Clarence asks, so you're a writer there, Ridge? And this is the question I wasn't going to ask you because me interviewing you about the book that you wrote seems sort of premised on the answer being yes. Obviously, you did write it. But uh, when Clarence asks Ridge if he's a writer there, Ridge says more like a cataloger, I guess. Um, so the question that for that is, is why more like a cataloger than, than a writer? Well, I think uh, in terms of this project, it, it seems to be more um – Oh, I'd say uh, schematic and uh, less narrative and more, um, what's the word? Uh, I would say rather than building, it's kind of taking it apart, kind of deconstructing. So uh, uh, the catalog seemed to be an interesting way of uh of uh describing what what the the project is at hand here because um, it's not it's the first thing i've done it's not really uh narrative in really any sense um there are some characters in it there are some narrative elements but in the sense it's not a you know a uh here's the story we're going from point a to point b um mm-hmm. it's kind of a more circular in its structure. It's kind of a right, right. Yeah. And I, I keep, I keep like struggling to refer to it. You know, like mm-hmm. it's part of the 21st Century Prose series at the University of Michigan Press, um, and it is certainly prose. Um, but I, you know, it's, you can't call it a story. Most prose, what we read, is like prose fiction. Um, 
So that, I mean, that's the first question that comes up. But I do like this idea of a conceptualist idiom. And, and actually, uh, Evan Lavender Smith, I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure if you um, know him personally, but he does uh, give a blurb at the very beginning of the book and he says, Brian Ridge inflects his anatomy of suburban interiors with a madcap panoptic conceptualist idiom, and his readers will be left feeling like they never gave nearly enough thought to the stuff of real lived life. The stuff that real lived life comprises walls, floors, doors, windows, garages, sheds, attics, and basements. You're talking about like a schematic and an anatomy. Um, but I guess, I mean, for me, I wonder if the structure that does emerge in this story, if it is a story, the structure that does emerge, emerge in the prose, does that reflect in any way? Does the fragmentary nature of the, the prose work reflect the way that it was written? Oh, it certainly does. The third part, which is the first part, that came first, actually. You know, I was trying to do the mock instruction manual guidebook, and it was written as a series of prose entries. And I got about, you know, 50, 60 pages in, and I just felt that uh, that was kind of, it had reached its threshold in terms of uh, its saturation point. I thought that, yeah, well, I've done this as far as I can do this. And you mentioned Evans blurb, and, you know, he's kind of a hero of mine. I love his, uh, from Old Notebooks, which is, uh, you know, a fragmentary novel, very much uh, it, in in the vein of, uh, of the, well, it's his own thing, essentially. You know, I've not read too many books like like Evans' novel there. Maybe Markson, but it, it, Evans kind of doing his own thing with it. And the middle section, yeah. I would say, was definitely influenced by those two writers, uh, Dave Markson and, uh, you know, Evan Lavender Smith. And by the third section, which is just ideas, the book kind of just falls apart into one-liners and, and jokes and gags. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, there's some great sections in that in those more fragmentary parts. Um, story, but there's lines like "so much ends continuously," like in the wild bedrooms of the sea. So there's a there's a certain amount of freedom that um, lack of form allows you to experiment with. Um, do you think of yourself as like an experimental writer? Are you trying to do something new here, or is this just sort of the way that reflects your own creativity or your own creative process? Ooh, well, yeah, I guess I am kind of an experimental writer. I always want to uh, do something different. I, I did a collection of stories, and uh, after I did that, I thought, well, you know, I've kind of done a collection of stories. I want to do something different. This is my second real book. I'd say this is a sophomore uh-huh. effort here, and uh, full-length collection. I don't know, you, you asked if it was a novel or a novella early on. I, yeah, it's novella length, right? About 115 mm. pages, although... Got a mm. lot of white space in it, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, and uh, just just thinking about the way that that it came together, I guess uh, it was an experiment in, in that in the way it was put together. So I guess this is an experimental mm-hmm. book. Uh, okay, I did look back on some of your past work in preparing for this interview, and, and I looked at uh, "Hates America," which is kind of presented to us as a series of cards. Um, when I looked at your poetry collection, Ox, it seems. I mean, you know, I was I just uh, graduated with a degree in English, and so we've been taught to read poetry like uh, in terms of tone and lyricism and, and uh, meter and all that formalism. Um, and your poetry is almost more about the typography. So um, it seems like, I mean, it does seem like that experimental aspect of, of the work seems to, I mean, I'm not sure it would be fair to say it appeals to you, but it, it seems to be evident in what you've done so far. So, um, yeah. Oh yeah, thanks, Phil. I get uh, some of that concrete poetry. Uh, yeah, I'd almost say that 
that was influential and uh, some of the language poets as well. But, uh, yeah, the typography is definitely going to be key and collaboration as well, which is uh, another aspect of some of those works. Uh, with uh, Hey, It's America, that was, uh, yeah, you know, kind of presented as a book in a box written in, I think it's 37 uh, sections, so it's on 37 cards. And uh, then that was collaborative with a with a, an artist and uh mm-hmm. you know i've collaborated with artists on a, a couple of these books mm-hmm. yeah so to get back to some of uh the critical reception of your book i guess uh amina kane is also among your blurbs and she writes an insane and brilliant book that travels the american home while moving ever further into the mind and i thought the second part of that sentence was kind of interesting um you detail the american home and what happens in the american home but amina kane um is curious about how you're getting further into the mind. And there's a section on the front porch um, where you write, the front porch is one of the great nostalgias of our time. Which time? This time, which means no time to look back, even less time to crawl inside of our minds. Here we are. So do you think of um, American homes as something that you wrote as kind of more than just the home? Is there is there a whole that's greater than some of its parts here? Is there a mental... Uh, an inner life kind of being described here? Or what do you um, think that American Homes is ultimately getting at, if there is a thing that it is? Yeah, I'd say it's a book of uh, deep interiority. It does, like Amina says, travel further and further into this particular uh, narrator's, uh, well, neurosis, whatever you want to call that, uh, obsessiveness mm-hmm. in, in catalog- categor- cataloging and trying to categorize uh, the, the parts of the places that surround us. You know, at the time I was living in Southern California, living in a little uh, apartment, and uh, mm-hmm. just thinking about the uh, the idea of of homes and houses and mm-hmm. our apartments, houses are they homes? You know, the, okay. the difference in houses and homes, and uh, just where we're where we're at in terms mm-hmm. of uh, uh, those domestic spaces. <laughs> and do you feel like that's an interesting um, point they bring up? So. Do you feel like you're going, you're getting after this greater idea of domesticity, like a feeling of needing to find home? Is there something more conceptual out there? Because I, I'm trying to find a way to um, think about like what the American home is. If it's not just an American home, because um, in the very beginning you have like 23 sentences of American homes is American homes mm-hmm. is various things. American homes is a soundtrack to our American lives. American homes is the foundation of all union. Um, so it just seems like there's something more to it. There's this, this greater thing, a greater theme that's being explored. I'm not sure how you think about that. Well, I think it's an exploration, uh, you know, uh, thinking about trying to come to terms with this character, trying to come to terms with uh, uh, his place in the greater scheme of capitalism in the 21st century. You know, there's, there's definitely nostalgia for the idea. I wouldn't even say the reality, but the idea of the American dream. And uh, just kind of exploring that myth a little bit, because, I mean, that is it, right? The the house and the and the fence and the yard and, and that deal, which seems we seem to be very far away from that. Yeah, I guess another question for me would be, we talked a little bit about the narrator. And you say the narrator kind of started off as like a Jim Morrison persona, and then it eventually just became a version of yourself. Um, you maybe some light on how, uh, how you approach the narrative as the narrator or, or what you kind of um, how you what kind of sensibility you took towards the story as a narrator where it begins to depart from just Ryan Rich and becomes 
Ridge, the writer on transport? Sure. Yeah, I think that uh, it's kind of a keyed up version of, of myself. Uh, and, uh, you know, the way it just deviating from the, the Jim Morrison thing was it, it just seemed kind of obvious, heavy handed. But I thought it would be a book about doors, maybe a chat book about doors, but then it got some more steam, and I realized, hey, it needs to be uh, narrated by somebody else. And uh, so I said, hey, well, why lie? I'll just do it. I'll, I'll be the narrator. I'll step up and, and do this one. But, uh, okay. yeah. So did you feel like it, it gained something from being more close to your own experience or your own self? Well, you know, I wanted to started to become a bigger project, and yeah, then you stepped in. Yeah, and I, you know, I wanted it to. I wanted to play with form and genre. You know, uh, maybe it's nonfiction, maybe it's fiction, maybe it's poetry. I don't know. I, I kind of like the the nebulous factor there. That it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to pin down. And that, it's slippery in that sense. Yeah. I liked uh, one of the things that got my attention about it when I first read it was that it didn't fit in the, into any of my expectations of, of prose. I was sitting down, I was reading it, and I thought, you know, this seems like it seems like I'm reading a bad book, but it's it's so not non-fictional. It's so imaginative. It's so um, it's so much more interested in like the unreal almost. It seems like um, so. I guess another question is: You talked about Jim Morrison. Uh, you talk about wanting to break from tradition, but what if any? And you talk about William Eggleston as well. Um, maybe not just in this project, but in what you're trying to create and what you're trying to write. Who are your models, and who do you kind of look to um, as people who have made things that that you think of as good, you know, artistically speaking? No, sure, yeah. Uh, you know, I'd go back to Gertrude Stein's Tender Buttons was maybe mm-hmm. big on this one, even though it doesn't read like that necessarily. But uh, just uh, mm-hmm. the way that she put that collection together. And, mm-hmm. you know, those are almost uh, it's almost a catalog as well. If, if you think about mm-hmm. uh, the way that one's put together and her language, the, the fact that it's so language and language and good. Uh, other influences, mm-hmm. I'd say uh, Russell Edson, you, you mentioned the unreal. And I like the way that. Edson always would blend the real and the unreal, and uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, he, he worked short too. Brodigan was big, uh, trout fishing and in watermelon sugar. Those two books were were very uh, big early on, and mm. uh, in terms of uh, other big influences on this one, I'd say uh, you know David Markson. Very uh, okay. his, his later novels, the last four novels that he wrote. Wittgenstein's Mistress, read about that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, David Foster Wallace has this great essay on Wittgenstein's Mistress, and he talks about how it's the, it's the job of fiction to, to animate ideas. That, um, he says to make the head throb heart like. So he's, he wants to take like something that's intellectual or abstract, and he wants to make it kind of alive. So um, what Markson does is or my impression is, I haven't read the book, but I've read about it. Um, take, like, Wittgenstein's Logico Tracticus, Logico Philosophical Tracticus or something. Mm-hmm. The question that comes out of that is, are there any theoretical or or philosophical ideas that underpin this? You reference um, 
Ronald Reagan, you reference uh, Eugene Debs. Uh, he's, so as somebody who's writing about American homes, you seem to have a, a grasp of American history. Do you have a, a grasp or a feel for like an intellectual history as well? Or? Well, the short answer is no, uh, but there definitely is a, a, definitely a, a long glance back in terms of the uh, the uh, uh, look at the historical, but it's not too long because we're, we're only dealing with in terms of America, you know, 250 years or so. So that's kind of a, uh, you know, a nice chunk of history to work with. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of, uh, I think it goes back to, uh, there's some consideration of uh, Jefferson's bedroom. Right, right. Jefferson's right. house, what, what he was up to early on. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Well, I guess, uh, well, you're from Louisville, too, right? You're not just in Louisville. You're originally from Louisville. Is that right? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I'm from here and I'm back on kind of a, mm-hmm. a temporary basis. I'm a visiting professor at the University of Louisville. And um, so it's interesting to be home, but not really be home. And, right, right. Yeah. Has your own sense of home influenced, or did that in any way influence your writing of American Homes? Was, was your sense of home in Louisville in any way, part of um, what ended up being American Homes, anyway? Oh, it could be, yeah. I'd say uh, probably, uh, not consciously, but probably definitely. That, that that's probably there, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Louisville's changed a lot in uh, the almost decade I was gone. It's become a cool town. I probably need to leave again, and it's going to keep getting cooler. But uh, all right. yeah. All right. All right. Um, so. You talk about your past influences. Um, I guess, is there anything that you're reading now that you're finding very interesting or um, anything that you're working on now and reading now? Is, so I guess it's a question of like, where's your head at? You know, like, um, is there anything you're reading or writing that you're excited about? Yeah, uh, reading, uh, you know, a, a book I've been reading and rereading is Antwerp by Roberto Bologna. That, that's a little... I guess it's a novella-length book. New Directions put it out. I kind of like everything they put out. And uh, it's a psychedelic freakout is what one critic called it. And um, I've gone back to that again and again just to try to see what he's doing with it. I don't quite wrap my mind around it, but I think I'm starting to see what's Mm -hmm. what's happening here. And that's kind of influencing the project I'm working on now. Which is a great transition to the next question. what what is uh, what are you working on now? What's your future? What are your future plans? Oh well, uh, working on a couple of things. You know, I I had the summer off, which is amazing, and uh, mm-hmm. I started off on a working on a novel called Coach. And it, what this thing is is it uh, it's about a disgraced NFL football coach turned fisherman, turned philanth- yeah. turned philanthropist, turned new age guru. It kind of tracks the last few years of this uh, this guy's life before he disappears into the Himalayas. But I got about twelve okay. I got twelve thousand words into that and realized, hey, you know, this POV is off. So I started a different thing, more influenced by the Bologna that I was talking about. It's called Echo Park, and mm-hmm. it's just about adjunct and uh, itinerant lifestyles in Southern California. Thank you for being on. Thank you for learning more about American homes. Good, Phil. Well, thanks for having me.